Thank you, Pastor. I, I should have redone my title of my message today, Better Than Pancakes. <laughs> you know, by the way, I want to tell you something, especially for the kids. I love sitting up, up front. You know, we talked about in the world today, it's a tough world out there. It really is. Actually, it's always been a tough world. I don't know where we got this idea that it's an easy world. Um, but I've said the church needs to produce Navy SEAL for Christ pastors and ninja parishioners. And I still mean that. You know, we just had these kids singing, holy, 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 merciful and mighty. Do you know that most people think God is mighty, but they hope he's merciful. You know he's merciful and mighty. And so that's why I love sitting up in front with, I call you guys my ninjas in training. And I mean that. I'm glad that you guys sit up front, and I want you to sit up front, not just to sit up front. I want you to sing. I want you to pray, and not just pray for yourself, pray for us. And I want you to try, you know, I was your age. I actually, my dad made us sit up front, and I actually learned the whole liturgy. I actually knew it by heart, and I wasn't going to be a pastor. I was, it just was something. I thought, man, I love those words. Those words are sticking. I love singing it that way. And there was a couple times in my life where all hell broke loose in my life, and those words were already in my head and they were in my heart because my dad made us sit up front and be ninjas. I love that you're here doing that. I say that to you too because this is the kind of message it is today. It's a message about our reset button. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And then Malachi says it this way, but the Lord says, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. In the name of the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is the first and the last, the one who is coming again to judge the living and the dead, amen. You know, when we look at this text, it, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of the church here, and we're talking about things like Jesus Christ is coming again. And we don't like to talk about that for some reason in the church. But to me, this is the most powerful, joyful thing you have in this life. Reset button. Because Jesus is coming again for you. He's coming again to judge the living and the dead. You know, the gospel lesson, was that not the ultimate reset button? <laughs> Hanging on a cross, thief, Getting his just desserts, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Doesn't this stuff amaze you sometimes? Yeah, we come and we sing about it. We come and we talk about it. And, and that's the whole point. We, we seem to be out of step with the world. We seem to be drawn into the world's ups and downs when in reality Jesus is saying, I'm coming again for you. Yeah, don't already put your Christmas stuff up yet. I saw Santa in, in one of the stores already. I, yikes. This is the time to be thinking about the, the end time when Jesus is coming again and what that means for our lives each and every day. So today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Ready? Say that with me. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming again to bring judgment and salvation. He's coming again to restore, to, rec to finish the, that, what he has started on the cross. He's coming to bring it all to fruition. And that's God's eternal reset button that you have each and every day in your life. You know it's true. You know it's true for you, and you know someday it'll be true for it all. Wow. I don't know what you're facing today. Maybe some of you are struggling with some things in your life that are overwhelming you. They're just piling on top of you. You can't seem to get out. You thought you had it all under wraps. Jesus Christ is coming again. 
That's your reset button. Have you ever had that day when on Saturday you were feeling incredibly overwhelmed and then on Sunday you went and heard this and you went, wow, that's the thing that's really true. And it gave you the strength to go back and face whatever you were dealing with. Or it gave you the ability to actually carve out some time to rest so that you could actually rejoice in what you already are right now and then get back to living your life. Jesus Christ is coming again. So when we look at this particular text, in this world, we struggle just like the people in Malachi's day. Why should we serve him? If that is, tr is that really true? Is it really going to happen for me? We look around and we see the scandalous, the irreverent, the immoral, the liars, the cheaters, the profane, the ones who love pancakes on Sunday. They succeed. You know, they're the ones that seem to be getting away with things. But they don't know anything about what you know, that Jesus loves you that Jesus cares about you, that Jesus is with you, that Jesus promises that your life is secure in his hands. And Jesus says, even if they take your life away from you, they can't take you away from me. You're going to live eternally with me. Wow, they don't know any of that stuff. Pancakes be damned. <laughs> I've got the Lord Jesus as my Savior. But you know, again, there is that temptation that's out there. I, I, I came across this in Reader's Digest. Uh, it says that 70% of college students claim to have cheated in class. Back in my grandfather's day, if they caught you cheating, they threw you out that day. It's different today. We have retention people now. Do you know about this? And the retention people are, hey, don't throw them out because you know, can't we work with them? Oh, we don't want them to, you know. Partly it's because we need that tuition. But that's another discussion. <laughs> and it's gotten to the point where I've had some students that we've caught cheating who looked at us like, what's the big deal? And I said, what do you mean what's the big deal? You're not doing your work. You're not actually learning anything. His whole point was I paid my tuition. Give me a grade. Some of them want an A just by being there. I thought, Whoa. And it was just amazing to me, you know, it seems like people get away with stuff. When I was in uh, L.A. too, gang violence was up in, in, in the city, and we found out that they just didn't fear any punishment. They actually, if, if you were a witness, you were the one that was afraid. You know, how can this be, Lord? How can we live in a world like this? They all seem to get away with it, and those who try to do what you want seem to actually get nothing from it. The answer? Jesus Christ is coming again. And so today, it is tough to tell who serves God and who does not. But that's not really the point of this text. God knows the difference. That's the point. And God also knows what it's like to live in his grace. And he wants you to understand how precious that really is. And then he wants you to live your life in him, not for rewards or not to get ahead or not to keep people down, but to just revel in his grace and try to share it with others. That's what it means to be his people this side of heaven. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my struggle with this. Things hadn't been going well for the congregation in Malachi's time. There were many who actually were mad at God. They were mad because they didn't like that God had asked for them to wait for his blessing. They were mad at God because they were thinking, well, if you're not going to bless me now, maybe we should look someplace else for this blessing. They were just kind of upset with him, and they were murmuring, and they were complaining. And what was really interesting is God answered their prayer and answered their need, but 400 years later, so on his timetable, the way he was going to accomplish it. Not just for them, but for all. Can you imagine how patient the struggling ones 
who trusted in God had to be. That's why I love when Simeon, you know, in the temple, I love the Christmas story, Simeon and Anna in the temple, they had been waiting hundreds of years for God to answer their prayers. Every generation, the next generation said, sit up front, think about this, get it right because God is going to do it. It's going to come, it's going to happen, don't miss it. And then the next generation would have to tell the next generation. And they would still have to sit up front and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. And then suddenly, he's in the temple. And Simeon goes, now, <laughs> Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. But all those generations were waiting. Simeon. That's who we get to be. Christian people, we are called to be different. We're not happy with the way things are. We may not even be happy with a lot of stuff that's going on in our life, but we know the one who has us in his hands, and he is the one who is coming again to judge the living and the dead. So as we wait, as we live in this rejoicing, as we live in this proclamation, as we live with this eternal reset button that we can use every day of our lives. Here's some guidelines from our text. Ready? First of all, Christians don't serve God for rewards. Does that make sense to you? Most people actually do try to serve God for rewards, but Christians do not serve God for rewards. And that's one of the problems that the people of Malachi, they actually were serving God, hoping to get something out of it, at least on their terms. They were saying things like this, Malachi, there are other religions that are prospering. Why aren't we? Malachi, many of our members are much better off than we, of their members. Why aren't we? Malachi, why should we feel sorry for our sins? No one else does. And look how they get to live. You see, they had turned the whole thing backwards. If you truly want to destroy your joyful walk with the Lord, try to live for God to earn a reward. You miss the whole point. You miss the point that God wants to pour his joy, his peace, his forgiveness into your life as a gift. That's what will transform your life. You'll destroy it by saying, I earned it, I deserve it, and it's mine. You know, when we think about this, um, people who come to church uh, to receive rather than to try to hold God to some kind of preconceived terms wow makes all the difference of the world now people come to church for a lot of reasons they christians do not come to receive rewards that's not why we're here we also don't come um, to kind of make sure that uh, we get something and they don't <laughs> you know there's sometimes people come to church to pray to make sure that that guy gets it right between the eyes you know we don't do that either that's not the point. We, we get in trouble when we start comparing ourselves to others like these, the Malachi folks. We came to church. Why, why are they getting away with it? Nail them, God. <laughs> they missed the whole point. If that's who God was, they were nailed too. If that's who God was, see, we're 100% sinners. So if that's who God was, all of us would receive his just punishment. We don't come for that. We come because we already know he has taken that punishment upon himself. He hung on the cross right there with the thief, and we're the thief hanging right there with him. And in his pain, he looks at us and says, but I came for you. Today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Come to church and just hear how incredible this God is for you because he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. He does want to change your life. But he wants to change it on his terms. 
in his time for his purposes, which will be a blessing for you. I love the story about this lady who got a parrot. It is one of, you know, parrots, they can mimic. Well, it was kind of one of those uh, cast-off parents. You know, the, the, she was kind of rescued it. It was a rescue parent from some, a real abusive home. Well, she got this parrot into her house, and next thing you know, the parrot starts talking profane language, cussing and swearing and using all kinds of terrible, terrible words. And she's like, oh, this is ridiculous. I can't handle this. So she thought, well, here's the best thing. We'll retrain the parrot. So started to give, you know, gracious words and, and loving words and kind words. But this parrot had an attitude. It was not going to have any of that stuff. And so the parrot kept using profane language and foul language. And finally the lady got so upset, she didn't know what to do. She just grabbed the parrot, she opened the freezer and threw it in. Couldn't listen to it anymore. And the parrot's in there screaming bloody murder, cussing and swearing. And then suddenly absolute silence. Absolute silence. And she went, oh, no, I killed it. Oh, so she almost pulls it out, and the parrot's just shaking like this a little bit. And this is, she was stunned. And here's what the parrot said. Um, Mary, I believe I have offended you <laughs> with my rude language and actions. I sincerely apologize for my inappropriate transgressions, and I promise to do all in my power to speak the right way. Now, she was shocked. <laughs> How did she do this? She thought, what happened in there? That And finally, she said, what, what caused this great turnabout? And the parrot said this, before I answer that, may I ask just what the turkey did to deserve the freezer? <laughs> <laughs> My point is this, that, that's not how God changes us. He doesn't throw us into the freezer. He doesn't invite us into church and wag his finger at us. He actually says, if, that's what, if you think that's what church is all about, you're missing the whole point. I came and actually created life reconciled your life, redeemed your life, and then offer it to you because I paid the price so that you could live in my grace. That's what you are, Christians. That's what you have. We don't come to church to earn rewards as if God is keeping tabs on us. If he did that, there would be no cross. He kept tabs, but then he paid it on the cross for you and me. So finally, let me just say this. We Christians, we do get to come because of Christ's compassion, we do get to come and revel in his promises like Pastor was talking about. We do get to come and rejoice in that, and that's what gives us strength and power and joy to live life boldly this side of heaven and to live even right till we see Jesus Christ face to face. We receive his grace and forgiveness for ourselves, and we want to live in that for the sake of others. We revel in it. Pastor was just talking about it in the, in, in the uh, children's sermon um, he was talking about the promises of God. When you open the Bible, I mean, have you really ever opened the Bible and just looked? We somehow reduce it all to Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again, and, and that's great for me, amen. And then we go about our business and don't even think about what that really means, the depth of it. Let me give you some promises. You say it's impossible whatever you're facing. God says, Luke 18, all things are possible with God. You say, I'm too tired. Matthew 11, I will give you rest. You say, nobody really loves me. God says, I love you. There's all kinds of passages for that one. You say, I can't go on. God says, 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you. It holds. 
You say, I can't figure things out. God says, I'll direct your steps, Proverbs 3. You say, I can't do it. Paul says in Philippians, God says, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You say it's not worth it. Romans 8 says, it will be worth it. <laughs> you say, I can't forgive myself. God says, I forgive you. And there's plenty of passages for that. You say, I'm afraid. God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. You're mine. You say, I'm always worried and frustrated. God says, cast all your cares on me. You say, I'm not smart enough. God says, I will give you wisdom. You say, I feel all alone. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Wow. That's what we get on Sunday morning. <laughs> Better than pancakes. Right? And that's what you have. We have a great salvation, a great Savior, and because of Jesus' compassion on us, we do want to proclaim the works of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Being a Christian is not some legalistic thing where we have to now go out there and tell people. We just get to be ourselves in him for others. We get to be living in that grace and hopefully sharing with other people this God loves you the same way that he loves me. We get to proclaim the works of faith we get to live the works of faith to proclaim to others that they are not forgotten by God either. You know, I was speaking to some college kids at Ann Arbor a few years ago. I was brought back because they put a plate. You know, I, I love how they come up with these awards, you know. There's a plate that said, you scored this much and you were on the wall. And so I guess I scored enough in three seasons to get a plate on the wall. And I came to talk to these guys about, you know, athletics and sports and, and being the very best you could be. And I said, think about living your life so that you leave a testimony of something that really matters. And almost every one of them said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the NBA. Then everyone will know about me. And I said, well, if you're going to get to the NBA, you shouldn't be playing here. <laughs> I mean, I just want to bring a little truth to the situation, you know. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, I just had a couple times, a little trouble with my grades. That's why I'm playing here, but I'm going to get there, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they thought about, they thought about fame and they thought about all these different things. That was going to leave a legacy. And then I said, okay, let me just give you a few names. And I started to run down some names. I said, Phil Hubbard, Mike McGee, Kevin Smith, David Baxter. These, some of these names were, they played 10 years in the NBA. And they played at Michigan, just down the road from where these guys were playing. They didn't even know who they were. And I said, you think we're going to remember you? <laughs> now, I wasn't trying to be mean. What I was trying to say is you are talented. You have athletic ability. I've watched you play. You're exciting. It's fun to watch. But it's only part of who you are. And if you disconnect it from God, it will eventually matter nothing at all. We get to proclaim a God who didn't forget us. We get to proclaim a God who says, you are mine, I never will leave you, I'll never forsake you. We get to proclaim that in the things we do. So I said, go out and play your game that way. Go out and play your game and give glory to him. Go out and play your game, not as some arrogant ball player, but as one who says, hey, to the fans, I'm glad you came, man, I'm so happy you're here. We, we love to play for you. And you know what they're gonna find out? You're gonna find out that that faith attitude is the thing people never forget. And they'll talk about you long after you're gone. But here's the real point. It's the point that God doesn't forget you. And God doesn't forget me, no matter what this world does to us. Does it pay to serve God? 
Well, this text says it pays to serve the Lord, it pays to sacrifice the Lord, it pays to actually present your bodies as living sacrifices, it pays to be willing to go wherever he says go, it pays to put God first in your life, it pays to honor God in your life. Why? Because God doesn't forget his own. Because God has loved you with an everlasting love, and he has sent you out in the sure and certain knowledge that he is coming again just for you. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And let that be your reset button today. Amen.